Welcome back, everyone. It is Sunday, which means it is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, a show that has been created for teachers when I think they need it the more, when we think they need it the most, which is Sundays, because this is, uh, unless you have off tomorrow, a lot of you have off tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, maybe you're watching this on Monday to get ready for Tuesday, because I forgot my kids that off tomorrow. Um, and I have a lot to get done. So tomorrow is a choose your own adventure kid day. But look, regardless, the, the idea behind this is to meet together as a community every Sunday to help one another prepare for the week. There is a teacher that you dreamed of being when you started teaching, someone that you may have felt called to be, someone that you wanted to be. And what we're trying to do is show up and do what we need to do, get in the right mindset, get the right tactics so we can show up on Monday or in this case, Tuesday, to do the work that we have been given to do. So um, that's what we're here for. So it is, uh, I also want to say what's up to everyone. We started a couple weeks ago broadcasting this on Instagram. Um, so, and I we forgot to look at Instagram last week for questions. So if you have a question, all you got to do on any platform that you're on, right? So this is on Facebook. If you're, a lot of you are listening to this on Spotify, but if you're live, it is on Facebook. It's on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So just drop your question in the chat. We'll get it. If you put the word question or the cue before it, it just helps out. Um, before we jump in, I want to shout out my boy. John Lopez was in the paper this week because California, there's a lot of people not happy about this, but there's one person I know that is happy <laughs> about it. And that is John Lopez is thrilled that cursive writing has been re uh and it's been entered back into the curriculum and so his fourth grade students are required to learn uh cursive writing and so john got featured in the paper and i john i don't know what what paper it was in i want to say it was the la times but i i can't remember uh but it's just i just love that idea i love the idea that people are out there making a difference and doing stuff and i thought that i don't know if you read the article but lopez's part Oh, I did. Yeah. Was I thought it was it was very Lopez. It was just like, but I just thought it was so well said. Um that I don't know if I I thought if I didn't agree with this move into teaching kids cursive, I might read what John said and go, uh, I make you go. That's hmm. interesting. Make things that make you go. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you for quoting CNC Music Factory. Um, what do we got, love? All right. Kelly is up first asking, uh, happy Sunday. How do you find a church that makes your whole family happy? Been church shopping and can't get a feel for the best fit. We love a church that is in another state. Um, is it, Wait, it looks like there's, there's oh. a comma at the end, but that might have been a typo. No, because she said something lower. Okay, no. just making sure. And my English teacher in me was like, it was a red flag. So, uh, I, you know, this is the life where we are working through at the moment, Kelly. So it's it's ironic because we were we were part of a church in Philly for twenty years while we lived in New Jersey. Yeah. So we we crossed the bridge. Yeah. Every week. Uh, or took the train. And then we found a church in Jersey that planted a new congregation in Atlanta. So our pastor then started just sort of like simulcasting. So 
the body was there, the worship team was there, but the pastor wasn't there. And that that took some that was kind of difficult. Um but I understood moved. The, ra- the rationale. So then we were, became a real part of that church. Then we moved to New Mexico and we've been church shopping all over the place. And I'll tell you that like, it's, it, the, here's the lesson I've learned. And here's, here's something that I would look out for. One, um, and even if, I think this ties into school too. So I'm going to make that, that connection point. Um, although that doesn't necessarily have to be made. I, I have noticed that we went to a bunch of churches and in almost none of them did anyone come up and introduce themselves. And if they did, it was like one person. And you knew that in this small town, all these folks know one another, right? There was one church we went to that that didn't happen. Like that multiple people came up, introduced themselves, said hello, talked to us, like that, all that stuff. That's a church that we ended up that we've been back to several times now. And that's a 25, almost 30 minute drive from our house. So I will um, say that this was part of the question. Yeah. Just is, but wants to form a physical community. So, so I guess that's the concern about the out of state. So the, the here's the issue for me is that um, that was kind of how we found a place. Right. I think churches, just like schools, do a horrible job of promoting themselves on social media. If I'm looking for a church, I want to see what does it look like? What does your pastor sound like? What is your congregation doing? What's important to them? What are their values? And instead of like just some tired old website, I want to see in real time, like, what are y'all doing? How how does what your website say playing out? And I think schools do the same thing. I don't think schools do a good job of using social media to promote themselves and their students because we don't let parents in our schools a lot of times anymore. So it's, we need to do a better job of creating content that we're just putting out, just regular stuff. It doesn't have to be like, like fancy. Um, I just think that would do a really good job. Now, I will say that the church that we have begun to connect with, um, there's no shade. It's just is what it is. There's not much outside of Sunday. So there are no like meetings during the week. And that is huge for us is this communal piece. I am, I contacted them, told me they don't have any. And you know what, Kelly? I think it's going to be one of those things I just ask them, can I lead something during, like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to create the space. And I'll, if I tie this back to school, just like in school, you don't have something, you think you need something. Can, do you have the capacity to do it? And I do, I would, I, I, um, I'll say this. It is not easy when you are a grown up to make friends. Like, where do you make friends? You know where you make friends at the bar. And that's not where (laughs) (laughs) Or church. It's not necessarily. Yeah. So it's like I am willing to kind of create that thing because it's gonna it's gonna solve something for me too. But yeah, it, it is absolutely difficult. Ultimately, I would say there's not going to be a perfect fit. It's kind of like when you're house hunting, right? You have a whole list of wants and desires that you want in a home, but they're not, you never find one that really fulfills every, checks off every box. And I'm not so sure the church is going to be that either. Like, No, because even the last church we were in in Jersey, um, which changed churches, that's what we were a part of. And they are part of it in Atlanta. It is it's the best. They're great. It is un- but it wasn't unbelievable. Perfect, right? Not perfect. There were things there that were we things would, I was like, oh, man, would I was... want to change or wish were a little different or yeah. things of that nature. So I think you have to find 
for us, I'll say in the church shopping and trying to find the best fit, it's kind of just leading with, it's a spirit thing. It's like, do I feel like this is where God is calling That's me it. to be? Am I moved by what the pastor is saying? Am I able to grow through what they're talking about? Because some talks can be very surfacey and really basic, but it's like, what do you need as a person yeah. and as a family? So I think it's kind of just asking those sort of questions, but it is difficult. It's not easy. So we feel you yeah, on that. Absolutely. Um, okay. Our next question is coming from John. Speaking of John, he's Stephen asking, um, what message of support do you have for teachers in the second semester or term? That's a good question. I think of second semester. To me, this can feel a lot of times like you were revived by winter break for about five minutes before you just thought, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Uh, and realizing that, you know, it's so funny. We put so much stock in like, can't wait for Christmas break, for winter break to come up. But then if you celebrate Christmas, it's like a day and a half of break, which is usually like last minute shopping and preparation. Christmas Eve, Christmas. Uh, if you're in Canada, you got Boxing Day. When, when, I don't even know what that is, but... <laughs> then you have New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. It's it is there's a lot of things in there. So there's not much time off. So then you go back to school and it feels overwhelming. I think doubling down on things that how can you make lessons come alive? I put out a lesson this week or a video called Level Up that is around that. How can you make small shifts that are going to make your lessons fun, exciting, interesting, something that kids want to show up for? That things that make you want to show up for. I think that's part of it. I think especially in the cold winter months, that last year in West Philly, that was my hardest year. I had to make myself go do other stuff like that that helped me. And I was, I mean, dude, I was trying anything, right? I was doing some weird stuff. I was doing, I did like the cryo chamber, I did uh sensory deprivation tanks, massages salt rooms, like anything that I thought might rejuvenate my spirit, might get, make my head stop thinking about school for a moment. It was a lot of that kind of pouring into myself that was important. I think that's when I started going back to therapy, I, I want to say, but it's some of that stuff. But um, if you're not feeling it, then your kids aren't feeling it. And if your kids aren't feeling it, then like schools can be a living hell. So showing up and just trying stuff. And if it fails, it fails, but fail quickly. Don't fail slowly because that's like a slow agonizing death instead of like, just get it over with and figure out if it's going to work or not. Um, but it's just deciding. It's deciding that this isn't going to take me. You know, I had an Instagram post the other day that was like, you know, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go this way for a moment, but um what if you walked into your classroom like God sent you there? Like you were on a mission. Like this is the thing you've been given to do. Like feel that, right? Uh, one of my mentors said recently that God doesn't qualify. It doesn't, what did he say? Oh, snap. I'm going to forget my own post now. Um, <laughs> God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so showing up like, you're going to give it your all. Um, 
and and show up like you were sent there, like you're on a mission instead of just like, I got to be here. I have to be at school. I have to be here this day. Like that's why Mondays never bother me because I'm on a, I'm, this is my job. This is what I've been given to do. And so I think showing up with that like coat of armor on and going in there and handling your business, it just, it just, it hits you different. Good answer. Thanks. Uh, John Fox is up. Johnny Fox. Up next, um, asking, if someone wanted to start a YouTube channel, what advice would you give based on what you've learned over the years? One, you got to be super consistent. I'm going to tell you what, uh, John, there's one, it's all the stuff you hear from everywhere else. It's so funny, but it's, and it's stuff I have to tell myself all the time. One, it will never happen as fast as you think it's going to. There are people who it just happens for, right? It just They just grow large. I can't really figure it out. It's, it hasn't been my experience. Um, but I'd argue that I have not just made the switch to full-time. Not many people could make the switch to full-time. Like we have, we've made good decisions um, with regards to business and things of that nature, I think. The other thing is you cannot watch what other people are doing and, and, uh, and compare like some folks growth is going to be quick. Some folks videos are going to hit sometimes. And you're, you're wondering like why yours hit a certain threshold. The, uh, and the third thing is, and this is, this is for your life. There, are th there are things we hit now that when I started YouTube, if I thought I could get a hundred views on something, man, I'm going to be thrilled when I get a hundred views. You get a hundred views, it happens a couple of times and you're like, man, but if I could get 500 views. So you're constantly playing this game of if then, if I get to here, then I'll be happy. And I think this happens in school all the time too. I think it happens in your marriage. I think it happens with your kids. Like, oh, as soon as they're not in diapers anymore, then that would be great. But you know what happens when they're not in diapers anymore? Something else happens and then something else happens. And then it's, it's, it is trusting the process. And it's, I think one of the things that we've, the big shifts that we've made is it is focusing on the people that show up. I'm not here for a million people a week, right? Like if it happened, that's awesome. But to be honest with you, it's like, I, we see the same names by and large in the comment section all the time in the little like area in the, in the question section here. And it's showing up for the people that show up, showing up to give a level of care to folks that are going to then in turn show a level of care to their students and their colleagues during the week. And it's really showing up with giving and how it's received is, is up to the world, right? You want to do well, mostly because you want to get to more teachers, but it's really showing up and what do what is your unique voice? How are you going to say it? And then sticking with it and knowing that even if you get 10 people to show up every week, you're really you're serving those 10 people. So show up with a giving heart ready to serve. Yes. I think it's consistency over longevity, like through longevity. Like you have to just keep going um, because it takes a long time to build things. It yeah. takes a long time for algorithms to notice you, like all those things. It's just about. I, we see so many people that we already know that do other things yeah. that have tried a YouTube channel and they're just like not consistent. You can go on and see like people post like 
you know, three times a month. It's like, no, you have to post as much as you can. And consistent. consistently. Consi like, and consistent, you will get like, there. Same day, same time. So on our channel, I have it written on the wall here. Videos Tuesday and Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They drop every Tuesday and Thursday. Shorts every Wednesday at 2, every Saturday at 8 a.m. And then Sunday Night Teacher Talk, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. She has a headache today, still showing up, still not complaining about it. You show up consistently every week because um, that's what Alf did for me at 8 a.m. And the other thing I would say Eastern is Standard Time on ABC. Everybody tries to do the same thing on YouTube. Like if day in the life of a teacher, everybody does day in the life of a teacher, like those sort of things. It's like, don't feel obligated to do yep. what everybody else is doing. Do what do you, what you like do, yep. what your special gift is that you bring. Yep. All right. Heather on face. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Sherry's next. I try and go in order to keep it fair. Um, she's asking, do you have an activity that boosts up kids own self-imagination or, uh, idea generation that is strictly from student thought? Uh, so it, I do, I'm trying to think of like, there's a number of ways that I do that. So like in short, there are ways that I do that with, um, like there's like, what is your why project that we do? That's very quick. And so what I try to do is connect my students drive to do well in school to be beyond them. So how is what you're doing perhaps blessing your siblings, your mom and dad, your grandmom, your community? What is your why outside of you? And then decorating a, a small piece of art and then we hang those in the classroom. <clears throat> and then when we do that, those are, those are up there. So, right. So we have to imagine that we have to start thinking outside of ourselves, which is, you know, sometimes difficult for young people to do, or that something they haven't done very often. Um, and I've talked about this before, but a lot of this comes from my students talking about how they would die for someone. I would die for my brother. Um, but my question always to that is, would you live for them? And so who would you live for? And so this is where it starts. Who are we going to find success for outside of ourselves? Other projects I've done when I do like of mice and men and Lenny and George consistently are talking about like this little farm that they want to have with the little pot belly stove and some chickens and some rabbits and the cage and all the stuff that they want to have. They have their dream. Like it is dreamed out, but it is incredibly specific. And so I have my students do a brief project there as well of like, what is your ideal life look like? And don't just think of you again. It's like, where are you living? Why are you living there? How are you giving money if you're giving money? How are you? Did you retire your mom or your grandma or your dad? Um, what does that look like? And trying to get kids to, again, because it's this idea of helping kids dream big, audacious goals for themselves. But then we go through this process of reverse engineering. So what would it look like to do that? So great, you want to own a Lamborghini, but you want to be a nurse. Uh, those two things don't really, unless you win the lottery or marry wealthy, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, or at least it would take an incredibly long time to save up for Lamborghini while at the same time living in your mom's basement next to the Christmas decorations. So like it's trying, cause I think sometimes my students have these huge goals, but they're like, I want to be in the NFL, but then they're four foot two, they weigh 110 pounds they don't even play on the football team and haven't played for five years, but they're going to be in the NFL. 
I'm not knocking that dream, but y'all better start getting your stuff together and start like, here's what you need. Here's the minimum you need to be able to pull off to get into that. So, or kids that are failing uh, like F's all over the place for years. And they, I've had a kid one time that told me he wanted to be a brain surgeon and he failed everything. I'm like, what, at what point are we going to start working towards this? Because you're in 10th grade, you have three years to get into college. No one's going to let you work on their brain legally if with these grades. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to go to Tim's Automotive and Brain Surgery Repair Shop, uh, and that's how you're going to learn. So it's like helping kids to kind of dream outside in that way, envision this life, but then build a practical plan to get there so that you can achieve it. I hope that answers your question. All right. Uh, back to Heather. She's over on Facebook asking, um, this was a tough week. We got hit with a lot of bomb threats. Spent a lot of time on lockdown. Yeah. Sent my PTSD soaring, trying to figure out how to deal with my own issues while helping students. Suggestions? So Heather, this is one of the, first of all, I'm really sorry that that happened. Um, I've had any number, and not a compare game, I've had, but but just in a way to sort of like, Um, I don't know. Empathize. Is Empathize with you, maybe. Before? Yeah. It's like having horrific moments happen at school, and uh, like we at my old school, um, I had a former student that was killed just this year on New Year's Eve. It wasn't someone I knew very well. I did. I had him in my class. I didn't know him particularly well. He's a junior now. Um, and even though I didn't, I got that text, I was at the dollar store and I got that text and it just like, it hits a certain part of me of like all the kids I've lost over the years, a lot of students. Um, and it's hard to kind of show up to do the work. I really, I cannot underscore enough how important something like therapy is when these things happen. And I know I bring this up a lot, but it's not just sharing that you're going through something. It's having someone that knows how to walk you through. It's like having a travel guide. Um, they can't make you do the walk. They can't make you climb Mount Kilimanjaro, right? But they can show you how to get up there. And that to me has been unbelievable to me. The other thing is that I think it's looking for ways in which we need to grow. You're, I, I, I can't, I, I say that, Heather, knowing that there's not a way in your life that you're going to get to a point where you're going to be like, bomb threat, Psh, man, these used to bother me so much. Like, and now I'm just chilling. Like, I, I you know, I'm not saying that we're ever going to get there, but it's having something that crush us. And growing into the person that can show up for these young people or be example of like, look, I've been through this. Here's something that has helped, right? For kids that are dealing with that sort of thing. Um, but I really think talking to someone, whether that's a spiritual advisor or a counselor or a therapist and, you know, trying to, you know, I, I know even I, I have a friend, my friend, Dr. Keisha that I did a video with, you might want to go check out. If you type in Dr. Keisha, it's K-E-I-S-H-A. Um, 
we had a conversation. She talked about things like why your brain can't make rational decisions when it's in crisis mode, when there's, when you are dealing with trauma and then how you can step yourself down in the midst of those moments. Because when we are, we are, we are in charge of the care of young people. It is, that's one of the overwhelming things is like, oh my gosh, I am in charge right now. And I can't even think straight. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. And Dr. Keisha will walk you through these like handful of things that you need to do. That's just going to help you deescalate so you can make rational decisions. And that's, that's part of what I'm talking about getting to. So yeah, um, it's, she's incredible. Yeah, I was going to say that. I didn't know if you were going to remember that, but I think it's like having a little toolbox that you can tap into in those moments where you're struggling and you still have all the students that you're, yeah. and it's fair that you're struggling. I mean, those are, those are scary situations yes. to be in um, and they're overwhelming, but I think it's therapy when, if you can do that on your own time, but even if you can't like getting those those techniques and a little toolbox to yeah. like breathing to deescalate yourself. Um, Let me say this about therapy too. Therapy can be thought as very, very expensive. Um, things like bet, better health. No, actually someone commented recently and I would love it. So it makes me question them. She better said health. there's like a ton of bad stuff that has come out uh, against. Oh, really? Health. Yeah. That like, no, I love hearing this. Practices aren't great. They're, they're just a little sketchy. So if you are going to use someone like better health, um, I would use, do a little digging. Um, yeah. but there are places that do sliding scales and, and things of that and nature. When I got my last therapist, how many therapists did I go to that I went once or people that showed up to their office and their office was a disaster area. <laughs> and I'm like, if this is what your office looks like, what are you doing in my head? Like, I don't like, I need to have someone that has it together. Um, but I think you'd also be surprised at how much teacher benefits often will cover that. Yeah. Um, but the beauty of social media is, is I think there are people who now you have to look and make sure that they're like a, they're real in what they do. But even following someone like Dr. Keisha or other Dr. people Keisha on social media, yeah, or even other people on social media that like, I know I saw someone that like was specific with anger and I thought that I followed them because I thought that was really interesting. I get angry from time to time. So it was like, oh, these are techniques that I can use when I'm feeling these emotions. So I think there's yeah. um, social media can even be a great place. Yeah. Uh, as long as you find a reputable person. Yeah, uh, for sure. But yeah, get a little toolbox together for sure. All right. Ross Miller is up next asking, I have taught college classes in high school for two years. What advice do you have for someone applying for a primary or a primarily dual credit position at a community college? Uh, so, uh, so Ross, if I'm not, are we talking about like what steps to take to get that particular position or like teaching advice for that situation for someone that's teaching in that space can you put it in the chat for us real quick and just let us know and then um if it's still there even one of the moderators can like give us a heads up if that when that pops up just a little bit of clarity on that because i'd love to answer it but i just don't i'm not sure which part of that you're asking a question about do you want me to oh uh maybe this goes with it um oh 
I just saw this. I would take the opportunity to work on my instructional oh. design as a whole video web and text resources for learning physics, physics and science content, things that would be asynchronous in nature. Uh, so. go, go back to that, please. Um, I'm not, I'm not understanding the question mm. and that is a me thing. I apologize. Uh, I'll tell you this though, Ross, if you can't get it in here in a way that I can understand it, uh, because I struggle sometimes. Um, if you shoot me an email, I'll shoot you an email back as fast as I get that email. All right. You ready to go on to the next one? Yes. All right. Any advice for teachers starting mid-year? I start this week. So, yes. Uh, all right. I'm stuck. I'm st I get stuck when I can't answer a question. Sorry. I'm like, that bothers me because I want to, I know people show up and I want to be able to have their answer, but it's, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're just reading little tiny bits. I was going to say, there's only so many characters you get to yeah. like explain a question. And I think that's really difficult sometimes. Yeah. So. If you're starting mid-year, I think it's, hmm, gosh, there's so much stuff. Starting to teach mid-year, what would I do? One, I want to get assimilated as quickly as possible. So I would really make sure that um, we are getting in there knowing students, knowing exactly what you need to teach, what you need to accomplish this year, and then doing your best to really like understand where that is. So we know where we are and where we need to go. It's getting a clear understanding of where your students are right now. So looking for any documentation or grade, not just grades, because that, that might depend on the previous teacher and whether or not we don't and not knowing why they're not there. It's like, were they good? Were they terrible? Did they get fired? Did they have, they're having a baby? Like what, what were some of those things? But like, do you have any testing scores for, for those students? And the other thing is, um, it is, there's no time to, to waste, right? You're, you're about halfway through the school year. Um, so just showing up and trying to, let, let kids know that you want to be there. Like, I think it's just show. I think so much it's showing up and letting people know, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so thrilled that I get this opportunity to teach you in the second half of the year. And so here's what we need to do. And that doesn't mean being, there's some folks that see that as showing up and saying those sorts of things as being weak, as being not, uh, not strong enough, not tough enough. Um, I need to let these kids, I know, mean, I know business. I think you can do both. I, I smile and say no at the same time. Like, can I go to the bathroom right now? This is not the right moment for this, but I'm so glad that you asked that. Uh, but if you ask me in 10 minutes, I might have a different answer for you. It is looking for the kids that might be quietly suffering. So it, it's, it is showing up, trying to get a sense of what's going on as quickly as possible. Really start talking to students, start talking to teachers, start trying to make connections as, as quickly as possible. Um, being in the hallways, being in the lunchroom, like just trying to be, and this doesn't mean your whole lunch period, but it's like, can you go down for five or 10 minutes, sit with some kids, ask them about stuff, like 
they they know the school. So it's asking kids the things that you need to know about the school and then making those connection points, putting them in the driver's seat in those conversations. I think that that's just such a great move and try to have fun, right? Like school should just not be drudgery. It should be fun. And now you're coming in mid-year and my guess is there's a mixture sometimes of the anxiety of the fear of going in mid-year, but there's also being really excited about it. There's a lot of teachers that are, that excitement is coming down. Do not let them, don't let them grab you and pull them down with you. You need to help raise the thermostat. I once worked with a woman uh, several years ago that came in mid-year and she, her energy was it was a little suspect at first. I'm gonna be honest with you. She was so excited. I was like, "There's not. This isn't even natural. I don't even know what's going on." I'm excited and loud person. This woman is taking it next level. But it, I took that as a challenge of like, no, I can't. This is like I'm being outshone here. Like I need to step up my game and like bring it. And it helped me to raise up to that next level. Be the teacher that your kids need them to be. Need you to be. Be the kids that they, the teacher that they're waiting for. Um, and help raise that level, help raise that thermostat in the school of not of judgment, out of judgment, but out of just love, of just showing up and being um, great and knowing that that's going to raise the thermostat of the people around you as well. So, yeah, have a great time. If you need anything, please reach out and let us know. All right. Anne is up next asking, uh, how do you structure a novel study? So, that uh, Anne... This is a great question, but it's it's another one that's like it kind of depends on like what grade we're talking about, what um what level student we're talking about. So I'll give you a couple of different scenarios. So and and what your students need, right? So like I have I have kids that are I have taught let's say ninth grade honors, and they don't want to read together. They just want to read by themselves. They can read faster that way. They can get done the work. They have the stamina to read the whole reading selection, no matter how many pages they give them that day. They're going to do all the questions. They're going to do the short answer. They're going to do the project. Um, and even during the projects, you kind of have to like make it mandatory that they work together a little bit because otherwise they will just literally stay in this little bubble and just do all the work by themselves. There's other students I have that you can't give them you give them five sentences to read and they're like going to read maybe one and a half. And they're like, I'm done. And it's like, you're not, you're not done. No, I did it. You didn't, you didn't. I literally, I literally watched, I watched you and you didn't do it. And you don't have any of the answers. Oh, I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do it for homework. No, you don't. We don't do homework in this class. You have to do it now. No, no, no. I don't just want to do it now. So it's like that I have to structure differently. So in those groups, sometimes I make small reading groups or we read it together, or we'll take part of the novel. And like for certain books, if I can find a play version, I'll read the play together as a class. As long as it directly lines up with the novel, we'll read part of the play together. Then the part on your own, you read out of your book. And so, and even the way we do questions are a little bit differently. So like with my honors guys, I just collect the questions, I grade them, then we go back and do corrections together. If I am doing it with students that are on a bit lower level, there are chapters I'll ch I'll take out. There's sections of chapters that I'll take out. Um, and I, there's a lot of English teachers that like, that is like the most, like, it's like 
sacrilege to do that. Uh, I don't care because I'm trying to be there for what I think students need and trying to help them find success, right? When I taught my kids how to ride bikes, they had training wheels. I didn't just like go, you better ride this. And I ain't pushing you either. I'm going to push you down the hill. That's about it. No, because I needed to help you build the momentum, build the skill, build the balance, build the rhythm to be able to get to where we were going to go. Um, other things that are, there are certain things that are non-negotiables, um, like the way that I want certain things answered, like doing certain projects and whether or not you have to work together. Uh, because I think that that is like, it's when you get into the workspace, um, or the workforce, they always like to call it the workforce. You have to learn how to work together with people. And even if it's only every so often, and most of the time you're like on your own, you have to be able to communicate with people, have interesting conversations with people. And even in the work that we do, like we are entrepreneurs, but like we, that we sound so fancy when I say that. we're I entrepreneurs. Say, I don't call myself ever that. Yeah, we're but... French. Um, I don't even know if that's <laughs> French or, but uh, we have to work with brands. We have to work with people that we hire on. So there's always that piece. So I, I make my students have to do that. Like it's not a conversation about it. Um, and then I like to, there has to be an end to it. So I typically break it up. I can get a novel done in about five weeks, depending. Like if I have five weeks of straight school, like Monday through Friday, and we're not missing class for a day off or for a pep rally or anything like that. Five straight weeks, sometimes it's going to get me through a book. Then it's a week of review and an assessment at the end of it. I also do quizzes every Friday to check for understanding of where everyone is. So there's a vocab quiz every Friday and a quiz on whatever like we really dove into that week. Um, so that's, I hope that answers your question, but that is, that's a lot. That was longer than I thought because I would have switched the camera. <laughs> I like I just you sat uh, here. I'm like, okay. standing there. No, I, I don't. But that was great. Let's move on to Megan. So far question. apart this week. I know. Well, go ahead, read the next okay. question. I'm gonna make it awkward. <laughs> I can't. I came back from a long May uh, leave to all new admin. I can feel the campus culture has changed so much that the principal is arguing with teachers mm -hmm. at staff meetings. How can I bring some positivity? I think it's Aunt Megan. Oh my gosh, do I understand this? I so I've seen maybe some success, maybe. Usually it's just met with aggravation and like it's too little too late, but there are folks that like we had six principals in 3 years. Folks that tried to start committees that would celebrate everyone's birthday, that would um do nice things for the staff at large every so often, but you felt like that. What I think a lot of that was met with skepticism and with aggravation because it wasn't coming from on top. It was coming from, it was teachers doing more things to take care of teachers. And like this, this way that was, mm, I won't say cold, but like, I don't know, like it was a committee, right? What I found is that trying to find the other people that are not just annihilated by this, being around one another, right? This idea, this biblical idea of like iron sharpens iron. Being around that is going to help you all fuel one another. And then uh, it's like in the Care Bears, 
right? Like if a bunch of Care Bears did the Care Bear stand, I'm, I'm dating myself right here, and there's like four people that know what the hell I'm talking about, but if a bunch of Care Bears did the Care Bear stare, it was a lot more powerful than one Care Bear doing the Care Bear stare. So you're looking for other Care Bears to do the stare with. And um, then I think it's creating a culture, an internal culture of nothing breaks us, nothing's taking us down. Like we're going to be there for one another and do these fun things. I ended up in my last year in West Philly. Um, I used to do lunch twice a day with my students and students would be allowed to eat my class. I moved that to one period of day because I created a place for teachers instead. And the idea was you can invite people into this, but I am not sitting here talking crap on everyone, not talking crap on the admin, not talking like bad on the students. I'm just not interested. This is a place for to take a rest, to catch, to, to take a, a beat in here. Um, and to just be around one another and to affirm one another and build each other up. You could bring your problems, but know that we, if you did, we were always going to talk about solutions and trying to help one another out. It's a supportive community. So to me, it's doing little things like that. It's do, For me, it was doing little things like putting googly eyes on stuff and just silly things that would like make people laugh. Leaving things in the printer, uh, which people do all the time, but then leaving stuff in there that I thought was funny. Um, it was like just... Try, trying to create a culture of positivity of goodness that was attractive and funny and that more people would do is how I've only ever been able to do it. Um, because I think that it's so small, unreasonably hospitable and kind things that no one saw coming that surprise people with joy, make it contagious and then make them want to do it to someone else. Um, okay, up next is Elizabeth on Facebook asking, what do I do if admin totally switched my classes and I am teaching grade levels and classes that I just don't like? All right, Elizabeth. I, I'm taking a breath here because because there's the Reynolds answer that I'm going to give, but I'm trying to make sure that I give, I am being fair because I don't know you. I don't know your school. I don't know your admin. I don't know your community. I'm trying to, I try to check my privilege a little bit um, to where I can, but these sort of things aggravate me. Why they aggravate me? Because it doesn't empower teachers and it certainly doesn't, is did not have students in mind. Like whoever made this decision, um, it I don't know what it was made for, but it definitely wasn't made with thinking of like, oh, this is the best thing for kids. These kids will definitely do better this year if we like take Elizabeth's schedule and flip it on its head and put her in this new, like what? So first is a meeting with administration. Talk, asking for clarity around like, well, why do we do this? And um, and you got to remember, I am, education is only ever about students. That's it. It's not about test grades. It's not about grades. It's not about um, our scores for our school's average or anything like that. It is, are we meeting kids where we, because all that stuff's going to be met if you do this. Meet kids where they are, figure out what they need, help them to get to where, the place that they need and by meeting all those needs that students have. And so it is showing up for kids. Then it's asking, what are the expectations on the students and on myself for the remainder of the year, given that the, all of a sudden in January, 
everything's flipped on its head. And really getting that like in writing, I want to know exactly what I am expected to do. And I'm curious, what is your vision for how this was better for students? And then how are we going to really make that happen? I also want then for that to happen, I'm going to need this time. And these are things I have gone to admit. I'm not just saying this like it's a good idea. It's stuff I've done where I have had things flipped on their heads so badly, like in October even, where it's like, all right, then for me to do that, I'm not leading after school programs, which are mandatory for every teacher at my school. Um, or I'm not teaching that sixth class. I'm teaching five classes or I want an extra prep or instead of teaching an elective, I'm teaching a study hall so I can get work done. Like, here's the monumental task you just put on me. Now create the time and space for me to be able to do it. I want the supplies that I need to be able to do it. Like, there has to be, like, you're solving a problem for, this isn't like, hey, you're lucky to have a job. It's, I'm solving a problem for you. And if this is really a time in our school, because you might get met with an answer where, you know, I've had situations where, like, someone got fired. Someone passed away. Somebody quit unexpectedly. I'm willing to rise up. So then I hear that and I'm like, all right, like, here's what I need. And I'm going to get us through this. Like I, I will, we can work together to make sure these students have the class that they need to have the highest level of success that they can possibly have given the situation. Now, if it's some dumb answer, like someone like I, there's just, there's a uh, fill in the blank, right? That is nonsensical. That is made out of weakness. Um, then I push back and then you're going to feel a little bit of fire, but I'm still going to ask you for the things that I ask you. Like, don't just take what you're given, right? If someone puts dog food on your plate, don't feel like you just got to eat dog food. The, instead, you're going to them. Now, look, dog food, we might be in a plane crash in the middle of the Andes Mountains and all we got to eat is dog food. Listen, grill it up because we're about, I'm, I'm eating it. But <laughs> if this is all, if this is just poor leadership, we, and we have to be able to tell people what we need. We have to be able to have clarity around what is the expectation now. Um, don't just let people put dog food on your plate and then you eat it. It's like having understanding. Because if I know that we're in a plane crash and this is all I have to eat, or if I know that my kids can eat and all we have for dad is to eat dog food, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with a smile. Um, but if it's just like, oh, we did, we forgot to go shopping or the other person, the person that was supposed to bring food today didn't do it. So now we're all going to no, uh, uh, hundred percent. No. So it's asking some of those questions as well, but it's, it's pushing back. Teachers have to understand that they have more power than they think they do that. Don't just take what you're given, push back, ask questions, ask for expectations, find out what is the, what you are. They're the leader lead. And so that's, that's kind of where my head goes with this. And then I, for those kids, Elizabeth, like show up and be the best teacher. Like I've had those situations. It's I'm going to show up and watch this, watch this. Um, yeah. Is there ever calls to leave a school because you know that you're just not validated or like cared for? They're just going to do whatever they want to do based on test scores. Um, uh, someone, there was quite a few people in here that chatting that said that um, John Lopez said it's often there. They say their decisions are made uh, based off of programmatic needs. Pro yeah. 
<laughs> and then um, other people have said it's because of test scores and student motivation, um, or it can be done as a mean of means of looping. Um, and someone yeah, Jennifer so it's gaining also, clarity. Should you said leave that they, though that it doesn't change that they've had the conversation with admin and nothing changes. It's so kind that's of like, like an oh well attitude. It's like, any other relationship that you have in your life, right? If you're in any other relationship and you constantly someone kept like doing the thing that you told them was hurtful and you kept telling them like i i this is not healthy for me and i don't like this doesn't feel right to me um no matter what their excuse is right so like it, if my wife hit me and i kept trying to talk to her about it at some point i got to realize like this isn't going to change like i'm not the one that needs to change you need to change so i need to get out of this I need to take responsibility and remove myself from this. Now, look, I realize that that's not so easy for everyone. That's why I don't always go to that for an answer. Because yeah. if you are counting on that money, if you live in a in a in a section of of the world or of the country where the next school is forty five minutes from you, um, you know that can be tough, especially because and it's not just the commute; it's the the gas money and all that stuff too. So, but I am. I think there's multiple ways to, to really even look at it just because you don't know all the specifics of yeah. the scenario. Cause I also think like if it's, you're just teaching grades and classes that you just don't like, it's like, is there a way that, is it a growth thing for you to like, Possibly, I don't know. Like it could be, there's a lot of variables, but there's also sure. a point where you, if you know yourself, like if I know I'm not in my purpose, that's why like, and this is, this is a different level of like, like, I don't know what I am sometimes, but like when I would go to those meetings and I'm like, these are dumb. And I would just leave, I would leave. I never stayed. I haven't stayed in a staff meeting and I could not tell you how long, even when they were on zoom, I record myself ahead of time and played on a loop in the zoom meeting. And I would leave, I would go to zoom to meetings at school. I would pretend I had a phone call and leave every single time. Um, I just, or just walk out. Like it just, if it's, if it is, if we're having meetings that have meetings, I'm not there. If we're having meetings because we're trying to help kids, because we're trying to initiate a program, because we're trying to do something great. I'm, I'm down. I'm the last one to leave and one of the first people to get to school every day anyway. But if you, but you know, when you're in your purpose, you can feel yeah, it. Yeah, I when think you're you have to purpose. answer the question, like turn the and question so, back and figure out which yeah. one it is for you. So if this is for a season to help my, my team, yes. I'm down. If it is you constantly fumbling the ball and me trying to help you play catch up because you can't do your job, I got to really look yeah. at whether or not this is the space for me. And then knowing this, because this is the last thing I'm going to say on, on this. I think the thing that holds teachers back the most is not them. It's the kids. And you got to know that everywhere you go, there's going to be kids that need you. Every single place. I couldn't yes. tell every school I go into. I'm like, I just, I see, I just see kids and I'm like, man, I could do some work here. Um, there's kids that need love everywhere you go. And you have no idea if that's the next place that you're being led. All right. Gian's up next asking how many years into your education journey did it take until you believed you were thriving and becoming the educator you were intended to be versus just treading water? Um, doing everything new uh so the real answer to this is 
it has happened since I started teaching, but in blips, right? So it was like teaching and then you do something and you get a, I'm not greatness. It is like a glimpse of what greatness could be like, like, Oh, that was a great class. This was a great lesson. This, the kids really loved this project. Um, it is, Oh, eating together is actually like, this is deeply fulfilling. And when I miss a day, or I would say like my, after my second year, my first year, I couldn't wait for summer to get there. Like I was just exhausted. After my second year, I legitimately missed my students over the summer. I couldn't wait to see them as sophomores the following year, just to see them in the hallway and stuff. Like, and I remember that was the first year kids came back and like gave me hugs and stuff. I was just, I couldn't wait. I would say first year had glimpses. Second year, I took a lot of notes first year, did again what was good, tried to redo stuff that that didn't work well. Third year, I think you start finding a balance of, okay, these are the things that are going to be asked of me to do here. Like you just start finding your footing a little bit. Like you're, it's like the waterbed's not going like this anymore. It's like, all right, this is still weird and I might throw up, but like, I'm getting a little bit better. Fifth year, I was wet, met with more confidence than I think I deserved. Um, as is, that's how I walk. And so, um, because my sixth year I changed schools. That's when I went from Camden, New Jersey to West Philly. And I had my ass handed to me. I mean, like I, it got real, real quick. And I realized that so much of my success had been predicated on my relationships and not on my, my ability to teach. And that was an eye-opening moment for me. And then every year after that was like, how do I get better at this, at the pedagogy piece of it? Um, and so, yeah, so it's like, but I'll say this, no matter I, and I even talking to teachers, I've been teaching for a very long time. Um, you're always growing right? It's like in anything, like even in your life, you might be thinking like, man, but when I reach 30 or 40 or 50, I, I had an idea that when I was 50, this is my whole life. I thought, man, when I'm 50, like all the work I do, like I'm, have, I'm basically figured out by 50. I'm just cruising. Uh, cause I'm just like living in eternal bliss by then. And I'm, uh, <laughs> three years out. I mean, look, miracles happen all the time. I don't really know, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not so sure I'm going to pull that one off, but what I realize is it's never getting there, right? You are, you're always getting better. It, you're always getting back to what I said earlier. There's going to be things that when you achieve them, you'll think this is what was going to make me happy. And it doesn't, it's not lasting fulfillment. The thing that is keeps you fulfilled is growing to the next level and the next level and the next level. So my answer is, is that saw glimpses first year, had some great stuff first year. And then it just kept getting better. But I'll tell you this. Don't match yourself with anyone else. Um, some people just seem to do better from the jump. But uh, the some of the people I know that grew the fastest, they had to sacrifice something else. I wasn't willing to sacrifice other stuff. I still had a great marriage in that time. I feel like I've been a good dad to my kids. It's I wanted all the things, but I wanted what I learned as in my growth is that I wanted to have peace as well. So 
it's not just looking at my teaching, it's looking at my life and figuring out, am I, do I feel balanced? And yeah. Um, Anwar is up next asking, as the grade level chair, I was not happy with our data semester one. How do I kick off our next grade level meeting to motivate the team to better support our students semester two? So that's a great question. Um, I had a student named Anwar. That's a, I have, I've only ever heard that name one other time. Um, and I had a kid named Anwar. Uh, now, now I'm thinking of... Thinking of him walking down the hallway and me telling him uh, that the floor was lava and he had to stay on the blue squares and stay off the white squares. That's literally, that's where my brain, that's where the ADD goes. <laughs> so, Anwar, I think it's, where do you want your teachers to go? Where Where do you want the data to be? It is, there's a great book. Um, there's this guy, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, that I would, can, I would urge you to check out. He's on YouTube as well. He has a book that came out called 10X is better than 2X. And he said, or 10X is easier than 2X. And the reason being for that is that when we think of how we can do just quite like, so there's this big push, especially if you read things like, um, like a lot of Tim Ferriss does this. James Clear talks about these ideas of like modern small growth over a great deal of time is how we make big change, right? Benjamin Hardy's talking about, but if you start thinking about just doing, I want to do twice as good this year, or if in this second term, we're going to just double our, you know, whatever we saw. Uh, all right. That, that, the mindset for that is not much different than the mindset that got us here. Thinking of 10X makes us think way above. Like it is, you have to go to different places. So if I said to you, how can you make an extra thousand dollars this month? Right. So, and if you had to make for your family an extra thousand dollars a month, how could you do that? Right. Your brain is going to like, you know, I could work at Home Depot at nights. I could, I could bartend or wait tables. But if I said to you, how do you make an extra $10,000 a month? You're, you have to go different than that. Right. You can't wait enough tables. There's literally not enough hours in a day for you to work enough hours at Home Depot to make $10,000 a month. So it, it causes a different level of thinking. So for me, it's getting very clear on our outcome. Then it's reverse engineering. What would we need to do to hit that? So how much higher does the average score need to be? Um, how much better readers do our students, like where do the students need to be for us to get the, the goal there? Then asking teachers, like, there's this, and I'm going to curse for a second. So if you have a kid in the room, I'm just warning you because I don't curse very often on here on purpose. But um, Tom Bilyeu says he has this concept of no bullshit. What would it take? So no bullshit. What would it take for us to get from here to here? And then letting teachers tell you stuff without changing your face, without going like this or, or blowing them off or thinking that's nonsense. So what would they need if we were going to take from this to here and then really listening to it and trying to solve some of those problems? I think so often it's just trying to figure out what do we need? What do, what do you need from me in leadership to be able to do the thing that we're asking you to do um, and seeing where that goes? Like 
I think that really answering those questions for folks, having clear expectations, showing them that just means that with kids need to do. So kids often can't even believe when they have a really abysmal grade, like to get a 70 and you have a 30 right now, like all that means is if you just did these small shifts, you'd get to this new location, but kids don't understand that. They just think it's like starting to do more work. I'm going to study more. I'm going to do my homework more. It's actually, bro, if you did half your homework every night, right? So if you got 10 questions in math and you did five, right? You still fail, but now you're great. You have 50% higher grade than you did before. Like it's kids don't understand that particular part of it. And so then if you can do half of them, could you do one more? Could you do two more? Now you're passing, right? So all I'm asking you to do is just do half. Now, if you do two more questions, now you have a 70. Now you passed, right? Now we're now this is a di different game. So I think it's getting folks to kind of think outside the box. And then what do they need? What do you need to succeed is the question I would ask. It's also not damning them or judging them. It's also, it's putting them in a position of no, no bullshit. What would it take? Like, what do you need? If, if we could do anything, if I could get you a massage every Thursday, like would it help your, it would be nice, but would it help your students get higher grades? And then seeing if that works. And, and I, I might, I mean, my friend, Allison Apsey, that's what, that's the advice she gives a lot. And it's really, I think it's strong. What you got? so much so much conversating in the uh comments which is great i love seeing everybody that's helping we're at we're at hour and two so instagram's oh, gonna are? boot us if they didn't already they probably did um i have one last question if you yeah. want to take it it's hey, a good it. one uh bridget is asking do you have any advice for working with team boys who have been involved with knife crime drugs gangs i'm struggling to to tailor to them as well as supporting the needs of other young people so I know I left you on a doozy. It's not a hard question. It's just like it's a it's a full one. There's a lot to talk about in that. I mean, here's my example, Bridget. I once had a young man whose brother's best friend. Um, so a friend of theirs was. I'll give you the story. Young man I taught. A friend of his was killed. They had a flower, uh, they had a vigil for him, which is a thing that they do in the city all the time. But the opposing faction um, knew that all these dudes were going to be there. So they came and they shot it up. And somebody very close to my student was killed. And his brother was chased and was almost killed. That student didn't come to school that day, but he had to come up and get something from someone else. So he comes up to school and he's dressed all in black. And I know exactly what's going down, right? It is a time of retaliation. And so I can't hold that student. I can't make them stay in school. But this was one of those first times I had a conversation with a kid where it was like, what do you want in your life? Like you're caught. There's so much of this you make important, right? You, you make, we make things in our lives important all the time, right? Um, you They can't let you know that they did this to you. They need to know that like, you mean business, that you're not weak, that like, but what do you want in your life? And then who's most important to you? And so it's really thinking about who outside of you is important. Like, who do you live for? 
And so this kid had a younger sister. His brother was caught up in the streets. He had a younger sister. Dad's never around. Dad had two families, he found out later. Mom works her butt off two jobs to try and keep things, like keep the lights on because dad doesn't help or anything like that. Just shows up, lives on the couch every once in a while. So my question to this dude is that, like, what, who are we living for? And then now prove it. Cause you're not living for anybody when you're running around the streets and getting revenge on people like that doesn't help your family. If your family is your core is who you care about. Like, do you care about anyone beyond your sister and your mom? Right. And so who can you live for? Because I'm telling you the game you're playing, right. Getting caught up in the streets. And I know this cause I've worked with, these, with kids for so long. No one ever wins that game. No one retires from drug dealing. No one retires. No one's like gets to a point in the gang. We're like, you know what, guys? I put in 30 years. I feel good about the move that we've made and the money that we've made. And like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to retire. No one has ever made that decision that I know of. This only ends badly all the time. So, but I can tell you that even though you think what we're doing is nonsense in this class, it's a game, bro. And right now this game that I can teach you how to play and then help you walk through it is going to help you create a life that you is sustainable, is enjoyable, is purposeful. And what if we're making enough money now that's safe, right? You got work ethic. I see you stay on the streets all night. Now you got work ethic, but apply that to something that you're not looking around, that you're not watching over your shoulder. You're not afraid someone's going to get shot or ripped off or whatever. You put that work ethic into what I'm talking about. And now we are creating a life where, wouldn't it be nice if you could help your mom out? Wouldn't it be nice if your sister didn't have to stay at home alone, but had a place that you, you had two bedrooms, you could hook it up, you could decorate it for her. Wouldn't it be nice if for her birthday and she wanted to do something with all of her friends, you could afford to do it? Like, this is a kid that like the night before, I remember the night before he had gone to the store with his mom and her um debit card and her credit card got declined and he was so embarrassed they're standing there with all these groceries they couldn't buy anything they had to go home and eat whatever and i'm like why would you let that happen to your mom again like why don't you do the work so because i'm telling you i said this before but like kids are always willing to tell you who they die for but i'm i'm curious who you live for who you showing up for and then prove it and i know school's hard but i don't care because it is the it is the answer to your question. I'm not saying you got to go to college, but what do you dream of doing? And then knowing that you can get there. And then it's helping. I think the next part is putting students in opportunities where they can see people that might have come from struggles, not necessarily their struggles, but struggles and created something. Oliver Wendell Holmes has this idea that once a mind is exposed to something new, it cannot be unexposed to it. So if you take your kids to um, a business that was created or a company that was built or a, a nonprofit that ha was created by someone that has come from extreme circumstances that is now living in their purpose, they start to see themselves in other people and you can't unsee that. It is taking your students and exposing them to things, especially the kids that are caught up. And I've done tons of trips where I got on those trips and folks were looking at me like, that's who you're taking? Yes, because this is who needs to be to go on this trip. And so start. I would start thinking a little like sort of out of the box like that and then having those real 
conversations and letting kids know. The other thing, last thing I want to say is that they matter. Like, bro, I'm taking this time because this ain't my job. My job is to teach English. I'm doing this because you matter, because I love you, because you are worth something and you're treating yourself like you're not worth something. You were born a Porsche and you're acting like you were born a beater car. Stop it. I think two great resources is one is the Gary V video of you taking students up yes, to go see Gary yes. V. A lot it's of curses along, in there. Be mindful. Uh, yeah, it's Don't along that me. same sort of that kind of talk. Um, and Father Gregory Boyle, if you don't know him, he yeah. like works with what's there's a dot. <laughs> he owns it. He started a nonprofit called uh, Homeboy Industries. Homeboy Industries. Look him up. There's a documentary based on him um, that is on all like the free platforms, like Freevee and stuff like that. I think uh, check that out. It'll change your life. Right. Cool. Gang, that's it. If you wouldn't mind hitting the like button, it helps us get out to more people. Um, we have some stuff coming up. We're excited about uh, in these next few weeks. Um, and that's it, gang. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And uh, if you have the day off tomorrow, have a great day. Uh, anything else, wife? Nope. Have a great week. All right. No, I wasn't ready. I someone, thought you were... someone said something, a comment about Dino Dan, and I don't really understand it, but it kind of made me laugh and it took me. We, wa we have watched <laughs> an absurd amount of Dino Dan. We're going to leave it with that. Peace. <laughs>